This episode of the Bendy Bodies podcast is brought to you by Bowerfine Premium Braces and Supports. Bowerfine promotes mobility and activity through pain relief and improved joint control. Welcome to Bendy Bodies with the Hypermobility MD, your podcast to learn all about the benefits and challenges of being bendy. This is co-host Jennifer Milner here today with Dr. Linda Bluestein. Before we introduce our incredibly special guest, a couple of quick reminders. Please subscribe and leave a review. This really helps get the word out because this podcast is for you. So today we have the great pleasure of speaking with Beck Ann Sisk. Beck Ann began her ballet training with Longview Ballet Theater at the age of five. At 13, she moved to Philadelphia to attend the Rock School for Dance Education on scholarship for four years. While there, Ms. Sisk won the Jerome Robbins Award in 2007 and competed at the Youth America Grand Prix from 2007 to 2010, placing first and third. She also won the bronze medal in the Beijing International Ballet Competition in June 2012 and was chosen for the 2012 Princess Grace Dance Fellowship Award. Adam Skloot invited her to join Ballet West 2 in 2010 at age 17. And after one year in Ballet West 2, she joined the main company as a new artist in 2011 and then was promoted to principal in 2015. She's performed the female principal roles in Anna Marie Holmes' Don Quixote, Adam Skloot's adaptations of Giselle, The Sleeping Beauty and Swan Lake, and John Cranko's Romeo and Juliet and Onyegin, which was recognized by Point Magazine as one of the standout performances of 2019. Original principal roles have been created on her by many renowned contemporary choreographers, and she's a sought-after international guest star. In addition to her dancing, Miss Sisk was featured on the CW's Breaking Point television show for two seasons. Can. Hello, and welcome to Bendy Bodies Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. So we are very excited, Linda Bluestein and I, to chat with you about hypermobility <laughs> and sort of your experience with it. Um, and I would love to know, how early in your dance training did you realize that you had more range of motion than most people? And did you feel like it was an advantage because you were able to make pretty lines or was it a disadvantage because you couldn't tell when your arms were straight but not too straight? Like how, how did it start for you in the early ages? So I, I don't think that I realized that I was hypermobile and flexible until I was, I would say like 12, 13 is when I was like, oh, wow, like this is different. I always knew like with my feet and ankles that they were hypermobile, but not so much like my hips and my back. I didn't really notice. Right. Um, but the older I got, or I feel like my teen years, I relied on my flexibility. I thought that mm. that's what separated me from everyone and made me special. And at that time, I didn't realize that that's not all that it's about, you know? So I feel like mm -hmm. I really leaned into that and would not listen to my teachers. And they're like, you have to rein it in, you know? And I feel like it took me some time before I realized that it was um, something very difficult that I needed to start focusing on and pulling in and not just letting it all go. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting that you're, even at that age, your teachers were seeing that and were saying to you, let's pull that back and let's gain control of it. 
and not necessarily pushing you into it, encouraging you to do more bendier, bigger things. Is that accurate? Yes. That's great. So, so how did your teachers help you learn how to get your hypermobility under control? Um, were there things that they did that were really helpful um, or certain cueing or exercises? Like how did they kind of help you come to that space? There was um, one teacher, Marilena um, Ruiz, at the Rock School, and she was also an extremely flexible, hypermobile dancer. And um, her way was, was growing up, going through those school years, I didn't, I had trouble like listening to people. Like I understood, but I didn't understand how to make changes necessarily mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. feel like when people were really hard and would tell me like because some teachers were like you can't do that arabesque like that like it's a terrible line blah 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 and for some reason that I like I didn't like when people are like mean about it right but luckily I had Marilena who she took a different route because I think she could see that that wasn't necessarily working for me mm -hmm. and um she was more um helpful in the way that she communicated that you know you should try this maybe mm. this will look better and she took a more like stand back approach with that and also would like i feel like make me do things over and over to get strength and then like throw in little strengthening exercises without like um being too like aggressive about it so i feel like she really helped me in that way and she was easy to connect with because I knew that she had gone through it too. Mm. That makes sense. And that's, that's such an important theme for dancers with hypermobility is kind of that slow and low burn approach rather than hard and fast and aggressive is doing a little bit really well and, and, and throwing it, like you said, repeating it as long as you're doing it correctly several times and doing little extra exercises, but, but really taking that long-term approach. And that's fantastic that you had her. She's an amazing teacher. She is. She is. And that was a great um, <clears throat> meeting up of her as a teacher and you as a student. Um, and then do you feel like that has continued as an adult? Like you still kind of get that out of it with that same approach with directors and choreographers as opposed to the, you know, that's wrong versus the slow and low kind of nurturing? Um, I feel like I have learned that contemporary stuff, mm -hmm. I can let go and really go into the, you know, flexibility and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, twerk things out. You take it, you make it longer sure. and then distort. Whereas in classical, I have learned that I try to keep shoulders, hips, Mm -hmm. And then wherever my leg is, like, that's fine. I don't feel like, especially in a tutu, you don't want to, you know, right. be in like a full devil of haste side split. It's just not as pretty. So I have found that in classical, just like more of like a little above 90, unless I'm doing a ponche or something mm -hmm. is sort of my goal. And then contemporary is when I can just let it go. And I have found that my coaches and um, director and choreographers have all kind of understood that and they tell me if I should go further or if I should hold back. Mm. So you can rely on the people that you work with. Yeah. To kind of yeah. rein you in and to not, and, or, and yeah. so you can just push yourself and then let them tell you when to pull back. That's great. Yeah. So was there a, a, a point during your pre-professional transition to your professional career that you 
um, sort of took, took ownership of your wonky body or is it something that you've just instinctively done with Mary Elena's help along the way or how did that sort of ad adapt for you? Well, I feel like it was instinct to be honest mm -hmm. because I got a lot of, in school, there were some teachers that I could tell just didn't know how to work with me mm -hmm. and would just be like, you can't do that. Like that looks bad. And it wasn't in like a helpful, like that doesn't look good. So let's try this. It was more of just like, that's bad and that looks weird, mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't know how to fix that. So I feel like over the years, having all the different kinds of teachers and having them feel different ways about um, my body, I just kind of put it all together. And I feel like I slowly figured out everything. Mm -hmm. So do you find, or did you find as you were kind of putting all of that together that you know, everybody thinks it's such a blessing to have hypermobility because you can let it all hang out mm -hmm. and they think, oh, poor you, you have right. to learn how to hold it in, right? <laughs> or how to rein it in. <laughs> um, but along with that, there comes a lot of inherent weakness as well. So mm -hmm. did you find that you were kind of keeping up with the strength as you were learning to manage it? Or did you actively have to seek out new ways to strengthen like cross training and that kind of thing? I had to seek out mm -hmm. like cross training. I now... Um, I love going to the gym. One of my favorite things is lifting weights. I just, I love it. It's something that I, I love that you can see your progression right. so easy. Like the numbers are right, right there, you know? So it's like you see and you feel so good. Um, but I found, and that took me, it was later in my career that I realized that that was what I needed to do mm. to get a step up because I feel like I had been kind of, you know, here and, to really get better and be able to control my body, I needed to start doing something else. And I realized that the gym and lifting weights and just really strengthening my whole body um, was what needed to be done. Mm -hmm. So what does a typical week look like for you then as far as cross training and, and other types of maintenance, um, stretching or meeting with a coach who really works on the small things or massage or like what what does that sort of look like for you so um we usually if we're not performing we work monday through fridays and um those will be about seven and a half hour days mm -hmm. including class and um i'll wake up in the morning go to the gym at eight get to the studio around like nine ten nine fifteen and then we have class for an hour and a half and then rehearse for six hours. Then at the end of the day, I will either come home and I, I hate saying I'm bad about like staying at the studio, going to PT and like I making myself do everything there. I just want to leave and get home. So that's where I usually like I get home. If I feel like I need to ice, I'll ice usually my feet, um, do that and then just kind of relax. Mm -hmm. So you like to get your, um, your cross training or your physical maintenance first thing in the morning. Yes. 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 If I don't do it in the morning, it doesn't happen. <laughs> and, <laughs> so. and, and that's something for a lot of dancers. Where do they find the time without being exhausted and without yeah. over pushing themselves? So that's totally right. Typical. So let me ask, I know a lot of people are going to want to know you have amazing feet, right? 
Um, Thank you. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times my students have sent to me that clip of you and Giselle with the ponche and then pressing up into that releve. And they're like, look at her ponche. And I'm like, who's looking at the ponche? Look at that releve afterwards. <laughs> Linda, if you have not seen it, you should see it. It was the, it's the most amazing strength thing I have seen from feet like those. So but with feet like those, again, and ankles like those, comes a lot of inherent instability. So do you do regular foot strengthening exercises? Do you do extra ankle strengthening stuff? Like, What does that look like for you? I usually always before class, I'll do TheraBand exercises. Mm -hmm. So like flex foot, like rotating in, mm -hmm. out, point, all of that. And then also I just really try and focus when I put my point shoes on rolling through. Mm -hmm. And even if like, say it's not happening at that time, as long as I'm thinking and like my brain is thinking about it, I feel like it's working my body, whether it's happening or not down there, right. as long as I have the like mental thought of it, mm -hmm. I feel that it helps mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. So you just do small little things mentally to stay on top of it and just basic warm-ups before class is it is it yeah. something that's always kind of at the forefront is it something that you worry about like potential injury wise ankle stability or are you just like no I'm on top of this I got it oh uh, I feel like I <laughs> I twist my ankle a lot just walking like when I'm not in the studio that's when I seem to hurt myself mm -hmm. but um while I'm in the studio I I'm really not afraid of injury. I should knock on wood, but um, <laughs> we'll I do it. Feel I'll, like, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like as long as mentally I'm just trying to work correct mm -hmm. and not push myself to do crazy stuff, mm -hmm. I feel like you just have to take it slow, mm -hmm. kind of just be thoughtful. Yes. I love that. So, um, Speaking of taking it slow and being thoughtful, I know that a lot of dancers with hypermobility um, find that they have to listen to their bodies more than, than regular dance or non-hypermobile dancers do. And they kind of have to stay on top of those little small things that they hear and feel because they quickly become big things. And the big things like tendinopathies tend to take a longer time to heal in hypermobile dancers. So does your, does your hypermobility sort of shape how you approach your work weeks and how you try to how you try to um, sort of set out your schedule and um, acclimatize yourself to the work and kind of plan it, like self-monitoring and pacing yourself. Does that change how you approach everything? Yeah. So I find that the, those of us that are more hypermobile than others, I feel like we get tighter mm -hmm. because we're having to use our muscles more to control everything. Mm -hmm. So I feel like for us, Stretching is huge. Like my calves and my feet, my arches are always cramping. Right. Like I just feel like walking around just kills <laughs> my feet and calves. And I feel like it's because I'm having to think so hard about how to do it correctly right. and control everything. So I feel like for us, we get a lot tighter and we're a lot more sore. Mm -hmm. so I feel like stretching throughout the day whenever you have a chance, always like I stretch my calves. Mm -hmm. like, I feel like I'm all, anytime I'm just standing on the side, I'm stretching my calves or my like Achilles, you know, the bent knee, mm -hmm. plie is 
but um, yeah, I think for us, stretching is just extremely important mm -hmm. because we do like even my back, my shoulders, mm -hmm. everything. It's just like, I'm constantly like controlling with my muscles. So they do just get tighter. Mm -hmm. And it gets mentally exhausting as well. Just trying to <laughs> yeah. like mentally hold yourself together yeah. as you're walking down the yeah, street. Trying it's easier to, to let, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's easier to let things go. Right. And it's so know? much harder to restrain yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so ironic because I think a lot of people don't understand that hypermobile dancers can be tight in their muscles, even though their joints uh -huh. can be, you know, more loose and more hypermobile. So I think uh -huh. oftentimes they don't understand that. So do you have any suggestions for younger dancers in terms of how you stretch your body in a way that's more safe? Because, you know, when you're hypermobile, you can stretch your way, your body in a way that is not going to be helpful. You can end up overstretching ligaments and things even more than, you know, they already are. So do you have any certain um, things that you've learned over the years in terms of safely stretching? So I have learned that warming up before I stretch is a big thing for me. So I'll try to do like, for instance, I just do like, you know, a plank on my forearms, a regular plank to kind of start the day. And I'll lift up my back legs like one at a time in the plank. And I feel like that just kind of warms up my entire body. And then I'll go into like stretching, but not like over splits and stuff. Um, it's very rare that I actually do my over splits these days. Um, but usually it's more of just like warming up my body and doing strengthening exercises. But my stretching isn't necessarily, which I'm not saying that this is the right thing. I feel like everyone, you know, stretch away. But for <laughs> me, <laughs> um, I have not continued. Like as a young dancer, I feel like maybe I overstretched too much, mm -hmm. you know. And sometimes it hurts. Like it just made me hurt throughout the day. So I feel like don't push it too far especially if you're already flexible just warm up and stretch you know just do your splits middle splits you know warm up your back mm -hmm. and stuff but sometimes overstretching is not not good right <laughs> well and, <laughs> and and we we have had that conversation as well with other experts um who've talked about if you're hypermobile we don't want to stretch you further we want to give you the strength to hold what you've got right. And so it sounds like you're sort of coming from that same place, which is so wise to me because the benefit of sitting in an oversplit is really nothing compared to the benefit of right. finding the strength to hold your splits yeah. in your grand soda right. shop, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like the oversplit, I have never done an oversplit and then been like, oh, look, I can hold my leg up here now. It's more <laughs> of like, when I do workouts to strengthen my muscles, then I can hold my legs. Right. You know, it's not necessarily about stretching, it's strength. Right. Yep. I agree. Yes, yes, yes. And I love what you were talking about with the TheraBands because with your hypermobile feet, um, I think that it's so important for people to understand that when you use a TheraBand, you know, that's not like lifting some big massive weight, but you're learning to yeah. control the range of motion all yeah. the way, control the movement, excuse me, all the way through the entire range of motion, right? So with your beautiful, gorgeous feet, I think it's so fabulous for dancers to hear that you're doing these kinds of exercises that might not be super exciting, but they get the job done, right? So um, 
Yeah. And, and I, I thought it was really interesting when you mentioned that you sometimes sprain your ankles just walking. So can you talk a little <laughs> bit more about, about how that happens and how other injuries have impacted you? Yeah. Well, I find that it's the second that I'm not thinking, like in the studio, I feel like I'm always like aware, but the second, you know, like I take a step outside, I don't see a step. I don't see a hole, you know, it's just things like when I'm not aware of everything, that's when it all goes down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and how do those, how do those injuries um, sort of affect you? in class do you do you feel like you come back a little bit slower than everybody else do you know how to handle your body and how to kind of get back into it um i don't if other injuries that you've had have they changed the way that you approach coming back into dance and coming back into a season so i have been so lucky once again i'm going to knock on wood <laughs> i have never <laughs> i've only had one injury that has taken me out of a show everybody and knock on yet. wood right now because that's fantastic I know right <laughs> right <laughs> but I had and of course it was a weird one it wasn't like I just did something mm-hmm. you know and like twisted my ankle it was over time I noticed my right ankle and I don't know maybe this has to do with um my hypermobility I never really figured out what caused it but over time all of a sudden my right ankle started feeling really stiff And then um, the more and more I did, I just quit being able to like go on point and like rolling down, it hurt. And then all of a sudden I got like this bubble on the top of my foot and it was like fluid. And I was like, okay, this is weird. I need to, you know, figure this out. And it turns out I just had fluid in my ankle joint. So they had to go in and suck it out, which was honestly like a very easy, I don't even know if you can call it a procedure to be honest just a tiny little needle and like pulling fluid out but it came back twice again so it was like it just continued to fill up and so now I'm kind of like just waiting for it to happen again (laughs) but um that's really been the only like injury that I have had wow um wow that I've been really lucky and I I hate to comment on injuries because I feel like I have just gotten very, been very fortunate. Well, and I think that also speaks to the people like Mary Elena in your life who have sort of helped bring you along in a really healthy way. And to Adam for seeing your potential and not immediately throwing you into every single thing as a 17 or 18 year old, but looking at it for sort of the long haul and helping you sort Mm -hmm. of gradually grow into yourself as an artist and also as an athlete. So you've been so fortunate to have some great people in your career that have kind of shepherded you along with that big picture in mind. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would love to know about your working with, with a partner. So, and how your hypermobility might have impacted that. So for example, like, do you have to be especially careful of your shoulder sockets, like where your shoulder is in the joint and that kind of thing? Um, when you're working with a partner, can you kind of safely go to your full end range or do you kind of have to be more careful because you have somebody else that's, you know, involved in those movements? You know, you actually like, hearing this question out loud made me realize that I think the moment that I started realizing that I needed to strengthen and like reel it in Mm -hmm. 
was when I had to start partnering more is because I, I think at first I was a very difficult partner because I mean, there was a lot right. going on and I feel like for, uh, sometimes for those of us that are hypermobile, I think that whenever we're dancing alone, it's easy for us to find our center mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. And not maybe we're probably not even on our a real center, but it feels like like it works for us. You know, we can like right. make it work. We have our system. So once you, yeah. So once I got with a partner, it was no longer like it's just me dancing. I had to find my true center mm -hmm. for a partner to be able to manipulate and help. And so, um, yeah, that once I started partnering, and when I'm with a partner, it. I feel that my focus changes and um, I just try to be strong. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like a overall just like held. Mm -hmm. So you feel but like yeah, you have yeah, you to, can't just... right. You feel like you have to do more um, to be able to um, give him what he needs to be able to work with. Right. Mm -hmm. You can't just kind of let yourself go and yeah. make him responsible for cleaning it all up <laughs> right because they have yeah right that's true because they have no ideas like whoa. right <laughs> you know <laughs> that's funny that is funny and and did you when you were talking about when you were younger and um, working with different teachers that maybe were phrasing things in different ways that were challenging um, for you to maybe incorporate into your body do you think part of that is because over the years you've had to train yourself how to feel your body i mean you clearly now are really um, expert at that and i think that's a huge reason why you've had such an incredibly successful career um, that and tons and tons of hard work of course um, but you feel like you really had to train yourself to be able to feel your body where it is in space and that kind of thing that you had to really, really work hard at that yes um and another thing that i feel that had helped me learn from okay so hearing from teachers you know that um you know going to your full potential flexible flexibility wise looked bad. So hearing that from them, you know, you don't really understand. You're like, this is, you know, I think this is beautiful, <laughs> you know, or you don't feel right. that it's like out of whack. Right. So I feel like the more I saw professional dancers and the more I watched videos mm. and could see that like a pure classical line was just beautiful. I was like, I understand. So I feel like it was more of like a visual thing for me that kind of helped that. And then also remembering all the things that my teachers had said, it all just kind of came together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you feel when you were younger and you would dance that you looked one way and you kind of occupied space in a certain way and then you would see a video and be like, wow, that is not what it felt like at all. Yes, and I still do that. I still see videos that I'm like, oh, I felt way better. <laughs> I think all dancers. Yeah. I think all dancers are critical of themselves on video. Yeah. I do. Um, you can't help it. <laughs> but I with with hypermobility, there's a lot of times a lack of proprioception, and so. You know, mm -hmm. I would think my arm was beautifully bent and see the video and yeah. be like, wow, that elbow was really whacked out there. You know, just not yeah. knowing where your body stops until you've practiced over and over again what that feels like yeah. to make that beautiful line. Yeah. And a lot of coaches that have come in, 
I noticed like throughout my career, they all are like want to work on my arms. And that's something I never like thought of, mm-hmm. you know, cause I always thought it was my hips and my legs mm-hmm. that were the like crazy mobile things. And then the more and more they're like, no, like, what are you doing? I realized like, you know, I was just like going, whereas <laughs> it's like, no, you have to hold your back and let's work right. on this. And then it made sense, but it took me a long time to kind of understand the arm thing. Mm. I am so glad that you mentioned that because I think a lot of people think of arms as like from the shoulder down and don't think Uh about the back Mm -hmm. and the rib cage Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the importance of all of that. And if you don't have a a stable shoulder girdle, then you can't support your arms in the way that you need to in order to do all the beautiful things that you want to do. So Uh I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's another thing that partnering taught me was like doing a promenade. Like I would just try to, you know, put my arm there but then it's like no like that comes from your back right and there's so much more to it so I feel like that's what also kind of made everything click Mm. that more of like it's a it's a whole body thing like you have to think about your whole body it's not just one movement which is just your leg you know it's everything Mm -hmm. we're connected when when you were younger do you think that the whole strength and I mean strength as in being able to, you know, control and have these beautiful fluid muscles, not, you know, I love that you, that you go to the gym. Cause I think so many, and now it's more popular than back when I trained, but you know, I think so many dancers, they think, Oh my God, I'm going to get this big bulky muscle. Um, yeah. Was that developing the strength? Was that something that really came along over, over time that you, you know, I think you mentioned maybe in your teens that that's when you really started to realize how important that was. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when I was a young student, I had no strength. And I honestly, I was like the gym, like I dance all day. I don't need to go right. to the gym. <laughs> but So it took me like, I, I honestly feel like, cause I, I came to um, Ballet West at 17. It took me a couple years after I got here. It's like slowly during the, my first two years, I would watch the other dancers and they're, they were so strong. And I remember being like, okay, I'm missing something. Mm. And I feel like that's, it took me a couple of years to realize it's the strength and I needed to do something besides just ballet. Mm-hmm. That wasn't going to do it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and you've spoken up about having scoliosis and having to work with mm-hmm. that as well. Um, do you feel like issues with, you know, like having the hypermobility and the flexibility have, have, and the scoliosis, you know, have made you a better dancer because you've had to overcome or not overcome, but really learn to work with these things. And, you know, like with the hypermobility, not just using it, but actually working with it. And, you know, um, can you talk a little bit about like some of those things? Yeah, I am honestly, I'm so thankful to be, to have, you know, I mean, people, like you said earlier, hypermobility, people are like, oh, that's lucky, which it is. It is lucky, right. but it takes a lot of work right. to control. Right. And that, between that and my scoliosis, I feel like I wouldn't be who I am or where I am without the, um, the work that both of the mm-hmm. things had brought me. And Honestly, when I started dancing, I, I knew at the rock school that I knew like I had talent, but I thought that 
that's all, all I needed was what I had. I didn't understand that it takes so much more. And I am so glad that I feel like having my setbacks and with my back, it made me realize I have to do a lot more. Mm. And I think it trained me mentally and really made me like focus mm -hmm. and work harder mm -hmm. because I did, I totally rode. And I, I'll admit, I rode on my facility for years, for years. And I, now I'm thankful that, yeah, it took growing up for sure um, <laughs> to learn that you can't just ride on that mm -hmm. because you will not get to your full potential. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's some roles that you've talked about um, that really pushed you outside your comfort zone, like Balanchine's rubies. And you talked about all the trunk stability that that required. Um, what roles have, do you gravitate, gravitate towards and feel really good in your body? And um, Oh, this is hard. <laughs> um, I have to say both because <laughs> I, I always approach things, new things scare me. Mm. So like I'm always nervous when we're learning something new. I just am nervous about it and I never can like see myself doing well. But it's not until like I learn, I have learned it and start doing it that then I'm like, oh, wow, okay. I feel like there hasn't really been anything that I have disliked dancing, to be honest. But um, my favorite roles, to, kind of roles to dance. I will have to say have been Cranko's Romeo and Juliet and then Cranko's Onegin. There's something that it's still classical, but it's a little different. It's not like mm. Sleeping Beauty. Mm -hmm. I have to say Sleeping Beauty is probably my least favorite thing. That I've done. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the truth comes out. There's something about just like being so free and having a character that you truly connect with. I mm -hmm. feel like just changes everything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just it's so freeing mm. absolutely i um i actually saw you do rubies in dallas oh, cool. when you came into dallas for the oh for, my you know one of the gala things and yeah and i remember hearing that you were going to do that and i was thinking okay <laughs> let's see that just because i know with your yeah. hypermobility i was like this will be interesting to see because it's not really it's not classical ballet, right? But it doesn't right. give you the freedom of contemporary. So you can't like yeah. go all the way into it. So I was really interested mm -hmm. to see, and you did a, obviously you did a great job um, of being, finding that center, but then also having that, that being able to go off of it and being able to kind of let uh -huh. everything else go loose. And that it was really encouraging to me to see you do something like that when what I had seen purely on videos and stuff was more of the classical ballet stuff or the pure contemporary, which where mm -hmm. you really kind of dive in and let it all go, you know, which has to feel yeah. super freeing. Do you, um, do you feel a difference? Obviously you feel a difference, but do you dive into contemporary choreography differently than you might climb into a flink ballet like Giselle? Do you feel a difference in the way you kind of approach it and prepare for it? Yes. So, I mean, for a ballet like Giselle or even um, Ruby's, um, it's more of like I need to find my balance. Mm -hmm. So it's like I need to work on, you know, posse balances and just slow, like finding my center. Mm -hmm. But then contemporary, it's more about my like weight transfer. So 
to warm up for like, say I'm about to run through Giselle, I'm going to do like releves and like posses and really try to find my center. Mm -hmm. But with contemporary, I usually try to like do like weight transfer things. So like pushing off one leg to another and then also like trying to like move and then stand up and balance in a way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I definitely approach both things differently. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And are there certain roles that you haven't had the opportunity to do yet, but that you were, would really like to do? Oh gosh, this is always like the hard one. (laughs) Um, Cause I feel like there's so many that I would like to go back and do because Mm. like my first full length was Don Q Mm -hmm. with Keytree. And I was, had not figured everything out yet and that was like my first time really partnering so I feel like I was just learning that the control that I needed and so I would love to go back and try that again because Mm. I go back and look at videos and I mean I'm like kicking my legs as high which Keytree does you know like it's it's okay in Keytree but it's like just you can tell I'm not thinking you know I'm just doing Mm -hmm. and I would love to give that a try again. Mm. You probably now have a different sense about like the quality of movements and things like that, that you could mm-hmm. give more attention to that. Um, and, and actually that it's a perfect lead into my next question, which was what advice would you give your younger self if you, if you could do that? Oh, <laughs> uh, would be listen, just listen <laughs> to the people that are trying to help you. Um, <laughs> The strength, like, I, I remember so many people telling me, you need core strength. Mm-hmm. That was, like, one thing I heard all the time. And I just didn't understand. I thought, you know, just, like, 50 crunches before class right. would be enough for me back then. But it's, like, there's just so much more. You have to work, every, like, your entire core. Mm-hmm. And um, also back, back strength. is just. I just feel like your core and your back is just, like, two of the most important things. And I wish that I had known that and listened because so many people told me that, but I just, it just didn't, I didn't understand. Sure, sure. And and what about um, other hypermobile young dancers, um, gangly hypermobile young dancers out there? What advice would you give to them? I would say do crunches, do sit-ups and planks are the worst, but they're the best <laughs> um, but just, they really are the worst I hate them so much but they're so important um but just strengthen stop mm-hmm. stretching so much and think more about the warm-up and strengthening could you say that one more Thank time <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look, yes because that is such an it's it's perfect to uh, have this yeah could you just repeat that again yeah um my advice for the young gangly dancers out there would be stop stretching just stop and start strengthening so do your sit-ups do your planks that's the most important thing is the strength yeah thank you all of my dancers listening <laughs> you don't listen to me hopefully you listen to beck and sisk <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> So, Becky Ann, could you um, tell us what we should be 
advising dancers, what do you want young dancers in particular to know when it comes to things like social media? They're seeing all kinds of, you know, accounts that are publishing um, lots of videos and images. And I think it's influencing a lot of young dancers. And I would love to hear your take on that and what kind of messages that maybe they should be getting um, instead. So I know all over social media, you see people posting with their legs, you know, whacked, tilts, crazy things. Mm -hmm. But you have to just remember a photo is a second. And you want to be able to do those things. You want to be able to hold those things. So stop stretching and do exercise. It's all about strength. So to be able to get your leg up there, whether you're, you know, contorted or not, it takes strength, you know, not just a whack and then mm -hmm. down. So strengthening exercises are so important. And um, I feel like maybe cut back on stretching and just think about exercises that you can do to build up your body to be able to hold those positions mm -hmm. that you see pictures of that you love on social media. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> and and where can people learn more about you? And um, you know, I'm I know you have amazing work out there. And um, what would what would be the best place for people to? I, I'm sure on the Ballet West website, of course. But are there um, certain things that people can find on YouTube or wherever they might be able to go to see more videos? Mm -hmm. and Instagram account. The, yeah. Yep. Yep. That kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I would say I am most active on my Instagram. So if anyone ever has questions or anything, like don't hesitate to reach out. I'm an open book for the most part. Um, but yeah, I've been trying. I know like through this pandemic, it's been difficult, but I, I want to be able to communicate more with um, the young kids and my audience mm -hmm. and just about like my experience learning because I feel like as a kid, I, I had trouble listening. And that's something that I regret. And now that I've learned, I want to be able to, you know, tell people my story and mm -hmm. help. I just want to help and give advice. You know. That's fantastic. And that's something that I think, you know, um, is such a gift that you're offering to young dancers that I, I hope that they take you up on it. Cause that's, <laughs> that's amazingly generous and, and kind. So mm -hmm. Well, it's been so much fun chatting with you today, and y'all have been listening to Bendy Bodies with the Hypermobility MD. Today, our guest has been Beck Ann Sisk, principal dancer at Ballet West and international guest star. And Beck Ann, we are just so grateful to you for coming on the Bendy Bodies podcast today and sharing so much information and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I feel like I learned a lot. So this is great. I had such a good time. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for listening to the Bendy Bodies podcast. Please visit our website, www.bendybodies.org for more information and to access the show notes. If you are enjoying this podcast, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. For a limited time, you could win an autographed copy of the popular textbook, Disjointed, Navigating the Diagnosis and Management of Hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and Hypermobility Spectrum Disorders just by giving us a shout out on Instagram or Facebook and tagging at Bendy Bodies Podcast. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the co-hosts and their guests. They do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. 
The thoughts and opinions do not constitute medical advice and should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. We'll catch you next time on the Bendy Bodies Podcast. This episode of the Bendy Bodies Podcast was brought to you by Bauerfine Premium Braces and Supports, designed to provide joint stability and pain relief.